0: My goal is to teach you to connect portions of God's Word with the songs you're singing along with on the radio to help you meditate on truths that will transform your way of thinking and ultimately your life. Before we get started today, I want to mention that if you are listening to this podcast prior to the first weekend in March 2018, I invite my lady listeners and encourage all my guy friends to encourage the women in their life to attend the Heart of Worship Women's Conference in Gonzales, Louisiana. I will be the keynote speaker for the conference and relish the thought of meeting many of you face-to-face. You can find out more information by visiting a link to the conference, michelleknizat.com forward slash heart of worship. If you've listened to my podcast for any length of time, you know that while I use music to inspire us to jump into God's word, the majority of the time the song kind of gets set aside as soon as I discover an area of scripture to explore. And this week I have just been struck by something I read in the story behind the song, He Will, by Ellie Holcomb. I'll explain it all on the other side, but first let's listen. Whether I'm in- Davis with new release today interviewed Ellie Holcomb about this song. I'll link to it in the show notes. You can always find show notes by visiting my website, com forward slash whatever episode. So in this case, com forward slash 210. And in the interview, Ellie mentions that she was memorizing Isaiah 61 at the time that she wrote the song. And It's clearly reflected in the lyrics if you've listened to the song before, and of course that's where we will head first this week. But before we get started unpacking the scripture, the thing that struck me is that, first of all, Ellie sings this song over the empty room before she has a concert or an event. And it's become her prayer of blessing over the people that are going to attend her event, which I think is really neat. She says she finished writing the song with her brother, who wrote the lyric, We will praise him through our sadness until the promise is fulfilled which I will refer to in a a little while. And then she went on to say, I'm so grateful that there is a sense that we walk together as a community, remembering who he is and that he suffered and we're not alone. One day there will be healing and restoration. Everything sad is coming untrue. I hope this song lifts people's eyes from their circumstances to the faithfulness of God and his promise that one day he's coming again. So I love that and I hopefully that'll give you some insight as you listen to the song as well, but it's right there in the lyrics. He will. He has, he does, and he will. And I think sometimes we get overwhelmed with our sadness or tragedy strikes and we look at the scripture that we're about to explore and say, well, why aren't you doing that for me right now? Why aren't you healing me right now? Why couldn't you save my loved one from death right now? And sometimes he does. Sometimes he heals right now. Sometimes he radically delivers now, Uh, today even. And sometimes we must cling to the eternal hope and promise reflected in our lyrics. Whether I'm in want or plenty, whether I'm in health or ill, our God promises his children he will. He will. So even as I turn in my Bible to Isaiah 61, I have to admit to you, I am intimidated by this book. There are so many ins and outs and prophecies and prayers and declarations. I know it's one of the most beautiful books of the Bible, but its depth and its length ugh, gets me every time. So I just want to encourage you in that, does it encourage you at all that sometimes people struggle with the same things that, like it does me? But I do know that the more I read and study to show myself approved, as Paul uh, instructs Timothy, the more aha moments I have in connecting these, what I would say are the more difficult sections of scripture. And there are a couple of bites that I want to discuss today to help you do that as well. Uh, B I T E stands for Bible Interaction Tool Exercises. These are just habits I use in my daily interaction with God's word. I find when I merely read, but I don't interact with God's word, I don't get as much out of it. So I hope these bites will help you take a bite out of scripture, especially the chewy ones like Isaiah. Okay. So the first bite is to get your bearings in the midst of a long book by looking at section headings to see what's going on. All right. So this bite works best when you've read the scripture you're studying many times. For example, I have a friend whose favorite book is John. She's read it many times on her own. It's also the book that she reads with friends who are interested in learning more about the Bible. Now, isn't that such a great idea? Just read a book together, read a book of the Bible together and talk about it. You don't have to have a degree or a complicated plan or, or even a DVD player to invite someone to read a book of the Bible with you and meet up to discuss it. So anyway, if this friend were to study a story within the book of John, reading the section headings in her Bible would give her bearings as to what is happening in the story because she's already read the story, right? Similarly, I want to get my bearings as to where this chapter in Isaiah is in the book of Isaiah. I can read the section headings to do that. Another one of my favorite things to do is to read in context. So if you follow that bite, you would read chapter 60, 61 and 62 all right so my that's just my pattern you can obviously read more or less but I like to say whatever section you're studying read the chapter before the chapter it's in and the chapter after Uh, that's never a bad plan of attack of course but this week by reading the section headings of chapter 60 just for the podcast purposes I see that this chapter 60 is about the future glory of Israel our chapter the one we're going to focus on is chapter 61 and the title of it of this chapter is the year of the Lord's favor. And then the next chapter is Isaiah's prayer for Jerusalem. Some translations say Zion's restoration in the section heading. All right, so you could get inspired by these section headings and go, I want to know about the future glory of Israel then the year of the Lord's favor, and then Zion's restoration, and just read all three chapters. That would be cool. I would love you to do that. But for now, let's jump to Isaiah 61, verses 1 through 3. It says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance for our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise for a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. All right, so who is saying this? Well, Isaiah is writing it, it's in his book, right? At first glance you might think it's him. But if you follow the cross-reference, you discover a little gem, all right? Now following the cross-reference is another bite. If your Bible has them in the margins or footers, these are additional places in Scripture where this idea or even a direct quote from Scripture is listed. Okay, so if you're looking and you read, you kind of look at the footer, you look over to the side in your margins. It all depends on how your Bible is structured. You will often see cross references. Now one of my favorite online tools and it's free for cross references is Biblehub.com. And when you click on an individual verse in Bible Hub, so let's say you say Isaiah 61, one, it will automatically bring you to a screen that has that verse in a variety of translations. I love that, right? Automatically. Then to the right is a small section from a study Bible that places that verse in context with the verses around it. That section is also clickable. So if you click on words in that section, it will take you to the definition of the word, the Greek or the Hebrew, all that fun stuff. I actually just figured that out this week. So you can click on those words. I didn't realize that till this week and now I'm super excited. All right. And then below that is a list of cross references. If you're doing it on your phone, it it will probably look different. But if you're doing it on um, either probably an iPad, like a tablet or a desktop, then it will be like I've just described it. All right, so when I'm on verse one of Isaiah 61, I see in the cross-reference section, one of them is referring to Luke chapter four, that my verse is quoted in Luke chapter four. Someone is saying it in Luke chapter four. So when I click on that cross-reference, it brings me to that verse. I go ahead and read it in, in the chapter. I click on the chapter and here's what I discover. Using my section headings in Luke chapter four, To see what's going on here, I see that Jesus is tested in the wilderness at the beginning of this chapter. He is rejected at Nazareth in the middle of the chapter. That's where my cross-reference takes me. Then in the final two section headings are Jesus drives out an impure spirit, and then Jesus heals many. All right, so even in Luke chapter 4, there are uh, one, two, three, four, five section headings in this one chapter. So by reading the section headings you see that Jesus is rejected and that's the section where our cross reference lives. Let's let's kind of let's go see why. All right, verse 14 of Luke 4. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit and news about him spread throughout the whole countryside. All right. What was that section heading? Right, it's like obviously we come in in the middle of a story where he returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. Do you remember? The section heading told us Jesus is tested in the wilderness. So if you're familiar with that story, that's when Satan tempts Jesus in the wilderness. He's tested. And so verse 14, he's just come from that. Okay, that's interesting. He was teaching in their synagogues and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth where he'd been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue as was his custom. He stood up to read and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Oh wow. Okay. That's a scene. All right. So now we know that this section of Isaiah 61 is prophetic. When we read the opening phrase the spirit of the Lord is on me, we know that it was on Jesus. Uh we also know that it is fulfilled in him coming to earth. And yet he is rejected. If you keep reading in in Luke chapter 4, you will see that they'll they'll be like, "Don't we know isn't this Jesus, Joseph's son?" We know him. There's just no way that he's all that in a big old bag of greasy chips. So they pretty much reject him. That's why it's in that section. But we're going to go back to Isaiah 61 because we want to look to see what he will do, right? Our song is He Will. So let's go look, see what he will do. This is a great time for the bite of making a list. When you write down your observations like this, it really helps you break things down in smaller chunks just the ma- the matter of writing it down, making a list, just interacting with God's word will slow you down enough for you to see new things. So first, on my list, the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. I uh, recently listened to a great message that took this passage and really unpacked what it looks like to proclaim. So you see that we could look at all these passages in so many different ways, right? So we're looking at what he will do, and this other message was looking at Um, proclaiming, uh, but of course, we're inspired by our our, our song titled, He Will, so we're looking at what he will do. So next on my list, he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. Uh, To be honest, I'm feeling a little brokenhearted as I write this today. There's just some stuff going on. So this really encouraged me. (laughs) I'm so glad it is fulfilled in Jesus. He binds up the brokenhearted. And then next uh, on my list, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. Are you bound by something? Has sin held you captive? Is there a darkness that is over your life keeping you in bondage? Jesus comes to proclaim freedom in him. That's the beauty of the gospel message. And if the light of the world has already freed you from the captivity and darkness, then that deserves a big old shout of praise, don't you think? So we can take a moment to say, thank you for bringing freedom to me. Thank you for releasing me from darkness. And if you've yet to receive that offer of salvation, I just pray you stop right now and do it. All right, next we see where our section title came from to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. And as the teacher taught in the message that I heard recently that I just mentioned, the year that you are in is the year of the Lord's favor. Okay, Jesus said that all of this was fulfilled in him, but obviously we still see poor people. there are still broken hearted people, there are still people in captivity and in darkness. so while he proclaims these things, then he can you know he he said that he he came for that reason, he continues to proclaim them now and as a hope for our eternal future when it will be done forever. Okay, next, he said to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion. Now, Isn't this interesting? Because the statement was already all-inclusive, to comfort all who mourn. But then he provides for those who grieve in Zion. There are many good definitions of Zion in the Bible. In context, it depends. Sometimes it's a place, it's Jerusalem. Sometimes it's the Temple Mount. Sometimes it's Israel, the people of God. But for whatever reason, he double comforts and provides for his special People. And then now he's saying he will uh, bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. So this is in reference to the exchange, a crown of beauty for ashes. Ashes were a symbol of complete bottom of the barrel grief in the Old Testament, mourning. Okay. This is when we are our lowest that he can make that great exchange, you see. So he's going to go on in his metaphors. He's going to give us the oil of gladness instead of mourning. Same kind of same kind of scenario. Just a second way of saying the same thing. And one more. Garment of praise in place of a spirit of despair. So what a great exchange we have now in Christ. We have it now and not yet until his return. He will. He will. He will. And then we get a new name. They will be called Oaks of Righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. We are a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. What a glorious thought. And then Oaks of Righteousness. I don't feel much like an Oak of Righteousness most days with these wonderful root system that keeps you secure. We have a lot of oak trees around here in Louisiana, and they stand up to pretty hefty winds, hurricanes, and such. Um, But we're called an oak of righteousness. But I realize it's not my righteousness. It's Christ's righteousness, not my own. So we see clearly what he promised, that it is fulfilled in Christ, that it is a now and not yet type of promise. And I, I mentioned it before, but I love the lyric in our song, we will praise him through the sadness until the promise is fulfilled. All right, so if we keep reading, however, we see what he will do, but something jumped out at me. It's what we will do. So if you keep reading in Isaiah 61 verses 4, 5, and 6, they will, uh, the oaks, right? Those who's they, Uh, they will be called oaks of righteousness, the planning of the Lord for the display of his splendor. That's us. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated, They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Strangers will shepherd your flocks. Foreigners will work your fields and vineyards. And you will be called priests of the Lord. You will be named ministers of our God. You will feed on the wealth of nations and in their riches you will boast. So what will we do? We see what he will do. What will we do? We will rebuild, restore, and renew. We get to be a part of the restoration of God. We talked about the meta narrative a few weeks ago. God's big story. All right, there's creation, fall, redemption, and restoration. And this clearly tells us that we are part of the restoration. And of course, we know that the final restoration is yet to come. It's that that now but not yet idea that we've. We've already wrestled with a little bit on this podcast, but God placed us in authority over creation in Genesis. And then now we see we get to be a part of the restoration process in this year of the Lord's favor. That's amazing. And verse 6 says we will be called priests of the Lord. You will be named ministers of our God. And that's exactly what's happened in First Peter 2. It says you are chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. We are priests. And priests are meant to worship God and to help other people worship God. And if we're part of the restoration process, we are all part of restoring that function. So let's close today as the chapter closes. I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of his righteousness as a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. For as the soil makes the sprout come up and a garden causes seeds to grow, so the sovereign Lord will make righteousness and praise spring up before all nations. The sovereign Lord will make righteousness and praise to spring up. He will, but he will use you to do it. So what's next? Well, read Isaiah 61 on your own, of course, and uh, maybe with a friend even. Spend some time looking at it closely. Make a list of what Jesus says he will do. Uh, Then make a list of what we will do as a planting of the Lord. If you're really adventurous this week, follow some of the cross references to see where else they take you in Scripture and I can't wait to hear what God teaches you. So while you're in God's word this week, let me know how you're doing. You can email me, michelle at com, Hop on Twitter at kneesat Facebook, Michelle L. Neezat is my public page. We can talk about what you're learning. Now, before I tell you what song will be featured next week, I want to thank the premier Christian streaming music service, TheOverflow.com, for pointing their subscribers to this podcast, but more importantly, pointing them to God's word through music. When you subscribe to their trial, you will receive a 10-day series of devotions I wrote based on some of my most popular podcast episodes, so I encourage you to check them out at TheOverflow.com. I want to thank my newest subscribers to my website as well, uh, like Crystal from Texas, Summer from Louisiana, Kim from Virginia, Teal or Teal, I'm not sure how to say that, from Nebraska, Joseph from Michigan, Dana from Washington, Jasmine from somewhere in the U.S., and Cindy from California. Welcome. Now, new subscribers to my website benefit from a couple of things. I send an email once a week. In that email, you get weekly memory verse resource. You can display it on your smartphone, your desktop, your tablet. You also get an email recap of the week's episode and you get instant access to any of the resources I create for my episodes from time to time. It's just my way of saying thank you for listening. So head over to michellenezat.com to subscribe today. Now, don't miss an episode of my podcast. You can subscribe in iTunes or Stitcher Radio or follow me on Spotify. While you're in iTunes, however, would you please leave me a written review and a star rating? This encourages me, of course, but it helps me stay visible to new listeners. And as always, if you take the time to review my podcast, I will take the time to personally thank you right here on the podcast. Just like KDB for FSU, who writes, Finding this podcast has been a blessing for this Lenten season for me. So many of the truths that God has been trying to convince me of over the last 24 months, I'm hearing repeated again and again. Thank you, Michelle. Well, thank you, and what an honor it is to be a part of your journey. Well, that's it for this episode of More Than a Song. Next week, I will be using I Am Not Ashamed by Abigail Duhon to jump into scripture. If you liked this episode, would you mind sharing it with others? I've made it really easy. With one click, you can share via Facebook, Twitter, or email. Just head over to michellekneesout.com forward slash 210. While you're there, I'd love to hear from you. Click on comment to join the conversation. Until next time, take time to meditate on God's word and consider his ways.